This podcast was produced in association with FunEmploymentRadio.com. Hello, everyone. This is Jason Chevron Chops, and on today's episode for Monday, June 12th, 2017, I am flying solo. (gasps) This weekend was pre-E3 weekend, and there have already been a few press conferences with plenty of new info and insights, and today I'm going to go through some of the bigger swings and call out some of the news I was most excited for, before then diving deep into one of my most anticipated releases of the year, Dirt 4. As always, please share to like and review the podcast wherever you see it, be that iTunes, Facebook, your mom's phonograph, and also be sure to follow the show on Facebook and Twitter, at WAG Podcast. Now, put on your glasses, grab your Thrustmaster T300 RS wheel, and prepare to get nerdy and dirty. This is the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. So first up with E3, Um, if you're a gamer, you're well aware of what E3 is. It's the Electronic Entertainment Expo, hence the E3. Um, It's held every year down in LA and it draws in massive crowds and most of the biggest developers in the video game industry. There are some that sit it out for whatever their individual reasons are. Like one of the major ones is typically Nintendo because they have their own press conference held elsewhere. Um, But for the most part, I mean, you get the big guys, Sony, Microsoft, uh, some of the bigger developers like Electronic Arts and everybody like that. Um, Also, like this weekend, leading up to and surrounding the main E3 event, a lot of the bigger guys like to have their own separate conferences to kind of hog the limelight because being at E3, you're divided up, your time is divided up amongst all the other developers that are taking part in it. There's a set schedule to when and where everybody can be. So have your own, if you can afford it, they get their own venues. They do their own thing. There's like a lot of live streaming that goes on too, as we start moving through it, but that's happening right now. Um, over the weekend, there was, uh, one from EA, um, Bethesda, as well as Microsoft, And there's just a number of announcements that have come through that really caught my eye. Um, Some of the bigger things, um, but I'd like to run through a few of those right now. The first one that caught my eye was um, actually just a single game. It's a new Dragon Ball fighting game. So anybody that's a fan of the anime series or the games they're in, Dragon Ball has been around for quite a while. The fighting games have been pretty popular, kind of not really a mainstream thing, but they've been, I mean, since God, I want to say there there may have been one on the original NES, not positive, but most definitely on the Super Nintendo, as well as a couple arcade games and every other console since then. Um, I remember there was, I mean, you're not supposed to talk about it really, but a buddy of mine had a bootleg of like a PS1 fighting game from Japan. And that was just mind blowing because Having seen the anime, the fighting style in Dragon Ball is insane. Everybody is super powered, shooting crazy fireballs out of their hoo-ha and flying around faster than the speed of light. And it's not your basic street fighter. So recreating that experience in a game has always been kind of difficult. As, as well as the art style being an anime, it's a little bit harder to perfect matching that look on a console. So with this new one... As they've done in a lot of the previous ones, they do like a neat cell shading um, on 3D models and everything looks incredibly like watching an actual anime happening in real time. It's 3D graphics, like I said, but on a 2D plane, mostly um, special moves that will throw people in and out of all kinds of crazy crap. But like I said, it perfectly matches anime style. But one of the big things everybody's excited for with this one is it's 3v3. So 
both players select three different characters in the main match setup. I'm sure there's different variations of one-on-one, two-on-two, etc. But there's also probably going to be the story mode where you run through different plot lines from the animes. Lots of stuff that fans of the series will definitely get excited for. I'm excited for it. I'm barely a fan. I haven't watched anything Dragon Ball related since at least like 2000. But the internets are alight with excitement for it. And they're also kind of putting this on a pedestal over Marvel versus Capcom uh, Infinite or whatever the next one is coming out that kind of set the standard years ago with Marvel versus Capcom 2 of this 3v3 style of um, 2d fighter so yeah it's definitely something to keep an eye on if you're a fighting game fan or especially a fan of the dragon ball anime from there uh i might have these out of order of how they actually presented but one of the first ones that i caught wind of and kind of paid attention to was the electronic arts um presentation whatever you want to call it so a number of big titles that everybody saw coming so nothing really groundbreaking nothing that was a a surprise or a shock which is kind of across the board with everything so far um i don't think anything that was announced this weekend was unforeseen and unpredictable so i think the rest of e3 might play out a little bit more in that direction hopefully because as of now like i said nothing really shocking that's that's come up from ea though One of the big ones that has already caught my eye is a little game called Anthem from Bioware, the studio behind things like Dragon Age, Mass Effect, the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, classic RPG games that cross all kinds of different genres. Their new IP that's seemingly wholly unique is called Anthem. All they have right now so far is a fake gameplay trailer and I think like a regular cinematic style trailer, but it's showing off what they're saying is a massive open world. It's crazy sci-fi action with jetpacks and kind of like an Iron Man suit, as well as class-based upgrading and probably a lot more typical RPG elements. But definitely check out the trailer for that one. Very excited to see how that develops. It's a very renowned studio. This is definitely in their wheelhouse, so exciting to see where that goes um the other i mean that was it for like things out of left field really but uh one of the other big ones they talked about was battlefront 2 for all you star wars nerds out there like me battlefront is a long-standing series from back on ps2 i think where it's basically in the star wars universe and they sprinkle in the setup of the battlefield series where it's typically team-based um fps combat mostly online with kind of limited first player or single player only modes and the point of most of it is capturing and controlling positions on large maps using infantry vehicles whole different sets of weapons and all kinds of different things but now Put that in the Star Wars universe. So you're talking stormtroopers fighting rebel troopers, and they also previously had mixed all the different generations. So you had characters and soldiers and vehicles from the prequels and the original trilogy. So there was a neat mashup of like taking Yoda on, oh, what was it? That, that damn water planet where they were making the clothes. Geonosha, no, that's not it, but something like that. So mixing up all your favorites, it's basically like taking all of your old Star Wars action figures and toys and throwing them out on the floor and just making everybody fight everybody. It's just like that. They should put that on the box, actually. Quote me. So Battlefront 2 is a sequel now to Battlefront, and it's so stupid confusing how they named all this crap, but Battlefront was like rebooted, I guess you would say. Um, in 2014, I believe, to, and it came out, it was incredible graphics, a great experience, but extremely limited as well. There was hardly any content in the game. There's just a handful of maps. There's just no meat on the bone. And for a full priced release, people were kind of pissed. So looking back on that, EA and 
the main developer dice have gone back kind of to the drawing board and listened finally like an actual publisher and developer listened to fan feedback they have added everything that was possibly missing they've got all of the original trilogy characters they've got people from the new movies like ray and finn that are popping up they've got darth maul and everything from the prequels their main like trailer at this point and playable demo stuff all takes place on naboo with the the droid army taking on the the republic and ah oh, it's great so if you're any kind of a fan of that you're gonna be very excited to see how that's developed there's all new classes and characters and vehicles i mean just from the ground up basically a whole new game and like i said m fulfilling all the promises that had been made otherwise from ea we finally saw the new need for speed which was kind of disappointing to me because the last need for speed was kind of a return to form it was the underground overnight street racing where everybody's on their cell phones texting and gps and talking about oh man there's this race over here let's go check this thing out oh let's go drift up and down this hill let's this that, that, that. well now that's completely out the window need for speed has historically had a few different kind of main series where yes there's the underground racing but there's also like on track racing there's the hot pursuit style where you're just out racing on highways going through the woods and everything and that's what this one kind of is but it is one part Need for Speed, one part Burnout, which is another great racing series, and two parts Fast and Furious, of all things. This game is Fast and Furious, the game, more or less. It doesn't have the license. I don't know why they didn't just completely go with that whole hog and make it a Need for Speed licensed game because, or I'm sorry, a Fast and Furious licensed game because that is exactly what it is. If you go out, watch the trailer, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about because it is just crazy stunts, cars flipping over, exploding, just all kinds of nonsense. It could be really good, but it's, like I said, for me, disappointing because I wanted another one of those underground street racing things. That game was incredible. So my word of advice is go play Need for Speed, I guess maybe came out 2015. But it's the most recent one. It's not, there's no subtitle. It's just Need for Speed. That one is like the pinnacle right now in terms of their releases. But I, I guess it's also up to taste, individual taste. The last bit from EA that was worthwhile was a bunch of new announcements on Battlefield 1. Still alive and kicking. They've got some, a DLC pack called the Something of the Sar. I didn't bother to write that down, but it's coming with six new maps, weapons, vehicles, all kinds of stuff adding in. And the one thing that's totally pissed off all the, <laughs> I, I hate getting into this, the, 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 the people, the patriarchy, I guess you would say, <laughs> because this one includes at this point now, female soldiers and the Trolls on Twitter were just having a field day with that. There were no females in World War One. Blah, blah, blah. So, I guess, draw your line in the sand for that wherever you think you stand. But overall, it's mostly historically accurate. There were female soldiers somewhere. There's like a Russian division or something. So, hey, you know, it's a... In a game where you run around, kill people, die, and respawn... I think we can add girls and not worry about historical accuracy because I'm pretty sure nobody respawned from death in World War I. Don't quote me. I'm no history expert, but I do believe no one came back to life after dying in World War I. So based on that sole fact, there could be women soldiers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there's a real argument to be had, but anyway, that's what people like to talk about. After EA... Um, I tuned in, I think Bethesda was actually the last one. They did their conference at like 9 PM Pacific time, which was midnight for everybody back East, which is also God knows what time for anybody in Europe and et cetera. So <laughs> people were kind of butthurt that they didn't have anything major to actually talk about. It was pretty lackluster overall, but it's, it's still news. It's a good, good dollop 
of information, stuff that was previously unconfirmed or just not public information. But again, nothing crazy, explosive. So starting from the top, um, most important, least important. How about that? Fallout VR. This was one of my most anticipated things as well. And now it's not because it's not coming out for goddamn PSVR. Always and forever, I really didn't have high expectations because the game itself, Fallout 4, really pushes the PS4 to its limit. So to think that they'd be able to jump from 30 frames that they can barely maintain on the console as is to the over, or not over, but at least 120 frames minimum for VR, it probably wasn't going to happen. So as of now, PC only, but also HTC Vive only. That is the only headset that they support right now. Um, kind of the rumor is they won't support Oculus because ZeniMax is like their parent company, I believe. Parent, not parrot. But they're embroiled in lawsuits and stuff with Oculus because they had people that went between the companies and allegedly took private information or whatever. Company corporate secrets, bunch of BS. But don't look forward to Fallout 4 if on VR, if you have the Oculus or PSVR. That's basically the gist of it. In addition to that, they said also they're releasing a new Creation Labs kind of um, network where they're promising easier access to mods and whatnot for both the content creators and the gamers. So basically like a new menu and storefront, more or less, in-game that you'll be able to go through and dig up all your favorite mods, whatever actually gets released. Because I know that's another thing on PS4 that was limited, that you couldn't really get access to anything over a certain size. So like map mods and stuff were out of the question, but also you couldn't download audio, I believe. There's something like that where the, the biggest, most important things are downloading new quests as well as like graphic mods. And I believe both of those were out of the question on the PS4. So more or less mods on console, pointless. On PC, the gates are wide open and hopefully this makes it easier for everybody. But yeah, it's, it's a mess on the console side. After that, um, they also brought up that Skyrim, which has been out forever, is going to be out on the, going to be ported over to the Switch now, the Nintendo Switch. So look forward to that if you've got one, because if you've got a Switch and you haven't played Skyrim, you're a very unique type of person. So good on you. You have access to <laughs> Skyrim now. I don't know. I don't know you. I, I, I don't know. I can't relate. <laughs> I don't have a Switch is what I'm trying to say, I guess. But I played Skyrim on... God, that came out for the PS3. And then again, I played it on the PS4. And now it's coming out on the Switch. So this is like the at least third console generation in a way that that game's come out for. So it's pretty old hat. It's still a solid experience, but it, it's... I don't know. It's kind of stale on the, the shelf there. Hopefully... I mean, what everybody was hoping for is we would see a new game in the Elder Scrolls universe or the Fallout universe, but no, no new IPs right now from Bethesda. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to change throughout E3. Probably not. But anyway, moving on from there, they have a new Dishonored spinoff uh, that's coming out. It's part of the DLC for um, the last Dishonored game. Something I'm not a huge fan of. I played the first one for like an hour and said never again. So I don't know too much about it. I know there's, there's a lot of fans out there. They're going to be excited for this. It's got a lot to do with some of the side stories and side characters from the game. So get to see things from a different different perspective. Um, in addition to that, we've got Doom in VR. It's a special little spinoff that they're doing. And from watching the trailer of it, the gameplay trailer, it looks like you don't actually move around like a typical first person shooter you kind of have like a a point and jump mechanic built into it you're you got some kind of like it seemed like you die and get reanimated into a cyborg of some sort because you know doom whatever <laughs> but 
you can't run around on your own. You have to point and jump. You get like a little icon that you aim and just slingshot yourself from point to point. And you can melee attack. You've got guns and whatnot. And it looks exciting. I mean, it's Doom, which should be super creepy, but it looks a little faster and more open than like the typical kind of, I don't know, evil grind fest. Like when I, when I picture Doom, and I'm, I haven't played Doom forever either, I always relate back to Doom 3, which is just crazy, dark, tiny corridors and monsters coming out of every damn corner. So I don't know if they stuck with that. I'm, I'm terrible. Beyond that, though, um, Evil Within 2, another kind of horror franchise of theirs. Evil Within, another game I have I, I missed out on. I, I'm not really a horror fan anymore, though, either. I mean, I, I loved Resident Evil 2 and... Um, oh, the foggy one. Silent Hill. <laughs> the foggy one. I love those games back on PS1, but I swear, since then, it's just... it's. It's just not fun. I like zombie games, though. I mean, zombie games were great. Like, Last of Us worked. That was that was a fun one. But I don't know. There's, it's, there's a fine line. I, I tried last the last Resident Evil. I tried playing in VR and I got sick. But I also didn't feel like actually playing through the main game. Because, I don't know. It's just not my thing. But this one, a lot of excitement out there for it. Fans of the first one are, are stoked. Um, it seems to check all the right boxes. It's creepy. It's got twisted alternate worlds and crap going on plenty of monsters so hey something to look forward to i'll i i would like to say i will try it out at some point but i don't know because like i said not a big horror fan next up wolfenstein 2 something that again i wasn't crazy about the last one because it's just it's a very old school game it's it's very much like the namesake Castle Wolfenstein, which was a very old PC game from the early days where it's one of like the first 3D world first person shooters and one of the ones where they faked it and it's just 2D sprites in a 3D plane. It was very fun at the time, but I feel like they haven't changed anything since. Like the graphics are exponentially better. There's more fun to be had. There's like a great story going on, but I don't know. I just, I did not vibe with the last one. But again, just because it's not my bag doesn't mean it's not yours. It looks awesome. It looks like a lot of fun. The trailers are hilarious. And God, you have to watch the, the main trailer for it. Because at the beginning, this all takes place in an alternate timeline where the Nazis won, basically. So America is under Nazi rule. And your job is to somehow thwart that and reverse whatever's going on. But it all opens with like alternate American TV. So it's not Lassie. It's Liesel, the cyborg monster dog. <laughs> and there's others and they are hilarious to watch. Gotta see that from there. It's just more of the, the good dumb spray and pray explosive fun that the series is known for. Like I said, I will probably check it out at some point definitely worth looking at if you're into first person shooters, especially if you're a fan of the Wolfenstein series and what it's become now. The last thing that I saw that was really of interest, there's uh, the Quake World Championships that are going on. And the pool for this is going to be around a million dollars. So esports, console games, well, console and PC games, definitely getting to a, an historic point in terms of mainstream notoriety and now money. My God, a million dollars at stake, not all for one person. It's the total prize pool. So, but I mean, shit, that sounds like the, the first place should get hundreds of thousands of dollars. Potentially. That's amazing. The last one. And I do want to try to run through these pretty quick. Microsoft had their, big hubaloo, whatever you want to call it. Again, nothing announced that anybody didn't already know. I mean, there was trailers that came out a few days ago for certain things that everything's kind of already out there. There's a few little surprises, but yeah, again, nothing groundbreaking, earth shattering. So the big one that has been kind of on everybody's platter for a long time now has been Project Scorpio. This is Microsoft's 
little souped up Xbox One. So just like Sony has their PS4 Pro, Xbox saw that, I mean, there's, they want this console generation to go for like 15 years or whatever they can do, however long they could keep it out there before they come out with the Xbox Two or the PS5. So what they've done is kind of this stopgap where they're making a, a beefier system with upgraded internals and a little bit better processing power and more RAM, whatever they're doing, with the goal only to meet the 4K and HDR standard of the current line of like the best TVs on the market. Everything right now, 1080p is like the standard. All the consoles can do it, but with this new hardware, there's a potential that they could do it better. So you might see better frame rates at 1080p. Well, the Scorpio now is promising 4K at up to 60 frames. I don't think I've seen that anywhere for the PS4 Pro. So already just in layman terms, the Scorpio is the more powerful console, but does it matter? Only time will tell and sales. So people need to put their money where it matters most. And I, I just don't foresee just tons and tons of people going out and paying the $500 for what's more or less a five-year-old console. I mean, yeah, it's, it's souped up. So now it can do 4k and HDR, but at the same time, you're still stuck with the same games that anybody else can get for the regular old Xbox one. It's, it's a weird, weird state of affairs. And it does still remain to be seen if it's a successful kind of marketing strategy. It seems like it's worked out all right for Sony so far with the PS4 Pro, but I have no need for one. I have no initiative or drive to even bother. Like I buy a new console when the old one dies for the most part. So for me, it's going to be PS5 or nothing. So like I said, remains to be seen. It is more capable. They're promising that games like Forma set Forma Forza seven will actually run at 4k native with 60 frames per second, which I would love to see, but it's also something that you need to see in person because you can't understand or appreciate how good or how much better these games look on any existing monitor or TV. You have to see it in person on a 10 or on a 4k TV with the HDR or there's nothing. I, that's the only way you're going to appreciate this. If you have a 4K monitor and your internet is good enough to watch a video of it on YouTube or something, I guess you can see. But yeah, for me, I have not been able to experience it to even remotely give a damn. Beyond that, um, it's still lacking compared to the standard PC experience. So there's always that because it is a console. They're touting it as the most powerful console ever. Uh, technically, yeah. <laughs> there, there's always going to be more powerful options out there. I mean, there's probably little steam boxes that you could still buy that are much more capable. But anyway, I digress. Um, they're not going to have VR still. They don't have any HoloLens news, but they do brag that they've got 42 games in the pipe, 22 of which are actually exclusive to Windows and Xbox, to Microsoft um, ecosystems, whatever you want to call it. One of the big ones right off the bat, Crackdown, a game that's kind of been absent for a while. I don't think, I think the last one was on the Xbox 360. So I don't think anything's come out in years for that series. It's Crackdown 3. And the biggest, coolest thing is starring Terry Crews, Mr. Old Spice, Mr. Brooklyn Nine-Nine himself, Terry Crews. So I don't know. I'm pretty sure he's going to actually star in the game, but he's definitely in the trailer and it's definitely a lot of fun. I know, I think I played Crackdown like a once a long time ago, but I love the idea of it. It's just like kind of a, an open world GTA style thing where you've, you're basically super powered. You're a super powered cop trying to crack down on crime, huh? But tons of fun, lots of crap to blow up, cars to drive, cars to blow up, <laughs> Just tons of guns and crazy abilities jumping from the, the street level up to the top of a skyscraper and two bounds or whatever. They're a lot of fun. Like I said, I if I had an Xbox, I would be looking forward to it. Um, the other thing I would be looking forward to, 
Forza Motorsport 7. It's their mainline kind of simulation-ish race series. Just like PlayStation has Gran Turismo, Microsoft has Forza. This series, the Horizon games, are kind of like the wild and crazy Need for Speed style, where Forza Motorsport leans closer to the sim side with like actual road course racing, licensed cars, licensed race cars and everything. Um, but it's still, it keeps a lot of the, the fun aspects of like a need for speed game. So it's, you've got your strict racing disciplines, but you've also got just like, I don't know, kind of, kind of a loose system where you could drive like a jackass and still be kind of successful. You don't have to drive the racing line and hit your apexes perfectly and blah, blah, blah. Like a real sim, you could still just kind of barrel through stuff and get pretty far along from my experience. But anyway, if I had, again, a Microsoft console, I would very much be looking forward to it. This time they're promising real, actual um, dynamic weather, not just preset anything. It's the rain accumulates on the track. It builds puddles over the course of the race. So they're they're going that angle that a lot of the simulators on the PC side have been at for a while. So again, it's like they're making progress towards that hardcore side, but still keeping a lot of the fun elements. So they're still kind of lost somewhere in the middle, but good luck to them. Like I said, I, I would look forward to it. Another one that's coming up, um, Metro Exodus. That's the third episode, basically, third game in a series of strong first-person shooters that are based on a book series, I believe, the Metro series. It takes place, of course, after Metro 2033 and Metro... Oh, what was the second one? Eh, anywho. If you're a fan of the series, definitely look forward to that. Something I I need to try. I have... <laughs> the the Redux, I think, on PS4. I've had it for two years and still haven't fired it up. Uh, it's fun to be a gamer. Um, we got to see our first sights of Assassin's Creed 23 uh, Origins. <laughs> so There's not really 23 games in the series, but we're finally getting the quote-unquote origin story. Uh, it takes place in Egypt. There's birds, bow and arrow, and it's an Assassin's Creed game. Uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is announced as an exclusive to the Xbox. So not going to see that popping up on PS4 anytime soon. Maybe it's a timed exclusive, but who knows? That's a real popular online first-person shooter, first and third, I think. And it's basically a big sandbox military-style um, fighting game. Well, fighting game, shooter. Minecraft, but... A new engine with a better textures pack and cross-platform functionality, which is pretty rare these days, but it's only going to be on PC, Switch, and Xbox. They are not updating the, the engine for PS4 or OS X. Sounds like a big money deal. It's a property that Microsoft owns now, so I guess they get to do with it as they see fit. It looks... I mean, it's it's just Minecraft. It's still the same game. The upgraded textures look pretty nice, but they're still pixely. It still fits the art style, so I don't know. Again, got to be a fan. State of Decay 2 is coming. That's Microsoft's kind of open-world zombie game. The first one looked really cool. I heard it was pretty kind of... I can't remember if it was buggy or just kind of not fun, but hopefully they fix a lot of that with the second one. It definitely is a game I would love to get into. <laughs> Another game, Sea of Thieves, I didn't see much of, but it has already caused a complete meme to start, and I'm calling it Banana Gate. There's just like a quick scene of, it, it's like from a first-person angle, a person running towards a, a big cliff top with a cannon, and you see pirate ships out in the distance, but he's running with a banana in his hand, and along the way shoves the whole banana unpeeled stem first into his mouth as though to eat it. <laughs> of course, the internet has latched on and <laughs> thus begins Bananagate. Uh, that is not how you eat a banana. There, 
It's so bizarre. It's so weird and misguided for that to be in there. But alas, they did it. They they win for first meme of E3, I guess. Another release coming up that appears to be PC and Xbox exclusive right now, which is very disappointing because Tacoma is the game from the developers of Gone Home, which was a big hit. They are a local developer up here in the Portland area. So I say, how dare you? I'm a local and I am very put upon that I cannot experience this game. I am sure it's just a timed exclusive. It the, the last game got a completely broad release. So good on them. I, they probably got a fat check from Microsoft for <laughs> signing a deal as such. But it's a very hotly anticipated game by fans of the original Gone Home. It's a first person adventure game. You're moving around through a space station, a derelict space station, trying to figure out and solve what exactly happened to the crew and I believe how to get your own damn self out of there too. The last one that was really a standout, Cuphead. For anybody that's not familiar with Cuphead, it was kind of an indie game, came out of nowhere with this insane art style. It is picture perfect as it's a man i don't even know how to say it it's a picture perfect recreation of what you would expect cartoons from like the 30s to look like so it's that washed out crazy animation but it's a a 2d shooter game so you've got your little guy cuphead and it's a two-player co-op but yeah all side scrolling all hand-drawn crazy looking art the animation is beautiful in this game but it has been perpetually delayed now they're saying that it should release on the 29th of september of this year so lots of luck to them hopefully they could stick it out this time and we actually see the game from there e3 runs for the next few days here i think from the 12th to the 15th monday the big one that i'm looking forward to the sony press conference should go off we should see a lot more from everybody across the board. You're going to find out a lot about a whole plethora of games that are coming soon. And I do intend to hopefully have a conversation at some point once it's over and kind of run through some of the bigger announcements that may yet be revealed. Now, with all of that E3 news out of the way, let's get down and dirty. I have been playing for the better part of a week now, Dirt 4. The progeny of the late, great Colin McRae off-road series, Dirt 4 is actually the 12th release in the series now from Codemasters since 1998. So this one's definitely been around for a while. For those out of the loop on just what rally racing is, picture taking your everyday standard car and throwing it down a fire road way out in the woods as fast as you can without wrapping yourself around a tree. <laughs> Rally racing isn't much different. Now, before getting all deep into the nerdy details, I love this game and the series. It's the best rally sim available on basically any console, in my opinion. It's really best enjoyed by car nerds like me with the whole wheel and pedal setup. It's still worth checking out if you like racing games, but more those along the lines of something like Gran Turismo and Forza than your typical need for speed game. It's a high skilled oriented game, but it's very playable because they offer like a, basically an easy mode. So anybody should be able to pick up and play it and get some kind of enjoyment out of it. If you're a racing fan to begin with, that's kind of the, the key factor. Now to get deep and dirty, <laughs> I'm going to run that into the ground. So starting off, like continuing in the, the description of what rally racing really is, the cars are stock models. They have to, the manufacturers have to sell 2,500 of the car to actually qualify to even put it in the racing series. And it's all kinds of like your, I don't know, basic run of the mill cars, famous ones being like Subaru, 
WRXs and Prezas. Um, but they have all kinds of weird stuff, like not weird anymore, but focuses are a really big deal in rally racing right now. Um, as well as like the little, I don't know if they have the Fiat 500 out there, but cars like that, like little weird front wheel drive hatchbacks are super common. And I mean, nothing much bigger than that. It's God, there's hardly any sedans at all. It's mostly little coupes and whatever, like everything from, the size of a Mini Cooper up to, like I said, like a Subaru wagon. And that's about it. Um, the cars are stripped down completely from stock and then built up to withstand the punishment of racing off-road, of course, like roll cages and whatnot. But the majority of the car and the engine remain close to stock, which is a little rare with racing. It's, this isn't NASCAR we're talking about. But the contemporary rally cars only carry around 300 horsepower. But it is still enough to get you well over 100 miles an hour on an eight-foot-wide road lined with trees and spectators. So there's no shortage of kind of wild and exciting racing. You don't need 800 horsepower on a narrow dirt road to get your sphincter tight. So (laughs) sorry for the gross metaphor. Um, Unlike most racing disciplines, rally racing is also done one car at a time. So all of the teams take an individual turn running the course a couple of times and basically the fastest time overall wins. So you don't see any other cars on track while you're running around. No, no battling through the turns side by side. No rubbing is racing. This is just one car at a time. You're on your own in the rally racing specifically. Now the column McRae and dirt series now has historically been one of the most realistic simulations of rally racing. They've had a little competition here and there, here and there, but in my opinion, my experience, this is the one that stands on top of the pile for the most part. Um, It's historically also definitely not a racing genre for everyone, like I said, but Dirt 4 specifically is aimed to make it much more accessible. I mean, from the first menu, when you start up the game, you're prompted to either choose a casual or simulation setup for your controls. The casual controls make the game a ton easier for anybody to pick up and play, especially with just a regular controller. But, of course, nerds like me, who have their own racing seat and wheel, oh, we get to go full sim. I want, when I play a game like this, I want to feel the pain in my arms of from sawing at the wheel for hours on end. This game gives me that. Like, I want to be sweaty and exhausted. I need fans blowing on me to keep me cool when I play a game like this. And I love it. This, I mean, that's kind of the only sticking point for Dirt right now. Like, the handling seems to have been dumbed down from the last game. Dirt Rally, which came out last year. I played a ton of that too. And jumping into this one, it's not that it's bad in any way. And it could even be that Dirt Rally is the one that had the bad expression of off-road handling. But I and a lot of people on the internet feel like it's much easier to go faster and win with huge margins, even on the maximum difficulty, than it ever was in Dirt Rally. So I, the developers, I watched like a little live stream from their launch, and one of them did discuss that they're... They're hearing this feedback, they acknowledge it, but it's not likely that they'll be able to change it because it's such a major component. But who knows? I mean, if they hear enough about it and they're, if they do decide that they're not satisfied with it in the end, it could come to change, which I don't know if that's for the best or not, but time will tell, I guess. Now, saying it's easier does not mean it's easy. It's still a very challenging game at the highest settings, and one bad mistake will absolutely lead to an end to any chances at the podium and all that sweet, sweet cashola. And cash is very important in this game. One of the most surprising things about Dirt 4 is actually the RPG-like details they've packed into the single-player career mode. Not only is there the obvious rally races, but also trophy trucks, sand rails, mini buggies, autocross, classic retro all these different styles for races to enter, but all of those are unlocked through competing previous events. Now, when you enter an event, 
you need to have a car that qualifies. And no, you can't race a monster truck against Mini Coopers. It's got to fit that specific series. But if you don't have, because you can buy the cars and own them in the in the game, if you don't have one that qualifies, you can actually get a loaner car from a team so you can take part in the race. But that's where the money comes back in. If you use that loaner car, the team that you borrow it from keeps like 85% of your winnings. Then you have to pay for any damage to the car and you have your own crew that you have to pay. So that, oh, and that opens up a whole other chapter of the crazy depth of this game. Hiring and firing your own personal race team. Just like any real world race team, success goes way beyond just a car and a warm body at the wheel. There, there's mechanics, engineers, agents, spotters, managers, all these people working behind the scenes to keep the car on the road and money in the coffers. Dirt starts you off with all these team spots filled, but with low-level people. And making money allows you to upgrade your facilities and bring on new talent, which in turn, though, costs more to keep employed. Hashtag depth. Once you make enough money or earn a prize car from the series that you're racing in, some of them give you like a free car just outright for winning, you can formally then start your own team and then keep that 85% of the money in-house. But you still have to divvy it up to the rest of your team and pay for repairs and whatnot. But again, 85% more cash in your pocket is a good way to start. Now, making your own team unlocks the options to finally like modify the way your car looks, just the livery, the colors and patterns and whatnot. But from there, you can also sign on sponsors, which will pay you additional cash for completing little challenges during the races, like simple things like don't wreck the car or get first place, but they'll end you earn you like a couple thousand bucks, which through your upgrades become more and more money. So, I mean, from the start to when you start getting towards the end of the career mode, you could be making just money hands over fist and really filling out your garage with your collection of crazy race cars. But from there, da, 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 da. shit. Everything is how it should be. The starts are very formal, which is kind of weird for compared to other racing things, but you have to sit at the start line, hold the, the handbrake and wait for like a five second countdown. If you jump early, you get a penalty, which could drastically affect your performance um, when it comes down to the end. But from there, you just grip it and rip it to the finish. You've got your your co-driver telling you, he's reading through the, the course notes, telling you what turns are coming up, telling you basically how tight they are. And you have to make your own decision of how fast you need to be going through it and where to set up the car so you don't fly off the road and get stuck in a tree. <laughs> and when you get to the, the finish, again, very formally, you have to slow down and drive up to and stop by the race steward. You don't just go through the finish line and everything's cool. No, you have to like bring your car down from 120 miles an hour or whatever you're doing through the finish line and try to stop without flying off the road and killing everybody. It's, it's pretty fun. A nice surprise challenge at the end of the race to actually try to slow down after you've been doing everything you can to go as fast as possible. The, the roads and the force feedback that it puts through the wheel are very exciting in dirt. Every bump and rut sends a jolt and changes your line and leads to lots of constant wheel handling. That's that sawing I was talking about earlier. But the surroundings are also quite varied. You go from the middle of the woods in, say, like the eastern U.S. down to like a valley floor and then to the forestry hills of Australia and as well as there's like I don't want to call them wetlands, kind of like farmlands and woods and fields from Europe and beyond that even. There's dirt roads out in Spain. I mean, there's ice roads out in Switzerland or Italy or wherever the hell. There's You're basically traveling the world and driving on all the shittiest roads they could find. <laughs> That's rally racing, again, in a nutshell. From there, um, again, the driving feels a little easier than dirt rally, but not to the point of any real concern. It's still really hard 
to go really fast, which is good. Um, graphically, everything runs great. I'm not sure what the exact frames per second is claimed to be, but it's definitely very solid. The textures overall kind of come off a little flat, but they don't contrast against the detail of the cars much because the cars are extremely detailed. They get super dirty. They get super banged up and deformed when you crash them and nothing looks out of place. Nothing looks weird. Nothing's more detailed than anything else. Like even the people standing along the sidelines look fine in the game. Um, the sound though, oh boy, sound is one of the most important aspects for me of racing games that many games and like a lot of Sims even just horribly fail at. Only a few actually get it right. And most end up sounding cartoony or like a Dyson vacuum cleaner orchestra. Um, I've got a quick comparison that I'll plug in right here. That's going to be, there's no direct comparison just because they're, they're different racing styles, but I'll play a clip from Dirt Rally. Then I'll play GT Sport, which I'll get like a crazy monster race car with like 600 horsepower or whatever. Something to give you a real feel for how the cars sound in that game. And then I'll try to find a YouTube clip or something to get some audio of an actual race car in real life. So these are all a Subaru WRX. Um, different years on the first one to the other two. But first... Here's Dirt 4. Crest right 5, don't cut. Left 6, through gate. Right 6, 60 through dips. Left 3, keep right over bump. Now, here's a GT3 race car. Emphasis on race car from Gran Turismo Sport. Now here is that exact same race car in real life. So as you heard there, there is a clear winner in terms of accuracy. Taste may lead to individuals kind of coming to their own different conclusions. But having been to real races before, you need earplugs to stand next to a lot of race cars at idle, let alone wide open out of the track. Anything less than pain is lacking, in my opinion. So something like Gran Turismo, not really going to do it. Project Cars was a lot better, too, with on the audio front. I mean, it wasn't to the point... I, the, the pain thing is a little bit of an exaggeration, but really, if you can listen to it at full volume and not disturb anybody, something's wrong. That should rattle the damn house when you crank it up. Now, getting back to the, the gameplay, rallying is just one of five or so disciplines in the game. Also present is what they call Land Rush, wherein you have three choices of different vehicles. You've got buggies, which are kind of like sand rails, trophy trucks, which are the big 800 horsepower, like what they, I don't know, Toyota Tundras, I think, or one of the brands that they might throw in there. But those things are insane. They're just like a, a steel tube frame with a fiberglass body thrown on it and a giant engine in the middle of the truck, <laughs> like where the, the rear passenger seats should be. Those things are insane. And then they have little buggy carts that are kind of a, an entry level, like a one of those little rhinos or whatever they, they call those, the Polaris little side-by-sides, but on steroids, of course. All of these races are actually, for a change, against other vehicles. But they're also on wide, sandy tracks, so you're not racing through the woods on that little eight-foot-wide road again. You're actually in like a big hundred-foot-wide or whatever. And I don't know. You might have seen these before on TV because they're they're really popular. These are like the the big things that Monster Energy sponsor with the big racing trucks. But it's crazy. It's all it's all about drifting through the turns, kicking up 
massive clouds of dust and taking crazy jumps and it's pretty insane it's it's frantic and exciting but also can be extremely frustrating like this this is the racing that has broken my cursing cherry on this game there's been a lot of f-bombs trying to get a handle on this land rush mode for me the crashes and ass poundings are constant and just completely ruin your race in the blink of an eye so like i said pretty damn frustrating land rush has definitely been a sticking point for me the control of the vehicles is vastly different from driving the rally cars but it also doesn't feel as good it feels kind of broken so I, I don't know if I need to just spend more time tuning and testing to see if I can find the balance. I mean, the balance between spinning out or hitting the walls on every goddamn turn. But other people online, I've watched YouTube videos and they're kicking ass. So it's it's just me, I think. Um, beyond that, they've got Rallycross, which is basically hopped up little rally cars racing on tight, twisty tracks but they're doing laps and the tracks combine dirt and pavement and jumps again and other cars. So <laughs> if that's your thing, you've definitely got like, I know it's weird for people that are used to typical racing games, like, Oh, rally, you're just driving by yourself. Where's everybody else? Well, here you go. You've got multiple modes of racing against other cars. So if that's your thing, we've got it in spades like land rush. Um, the driving style, is vastly different from rallying and it's a lot different than the land rush. So it's like a completely third extra, um, discipline again of racing, but it's a lot more fun. You're less likely to sink your whole race in one turn. Unlike the previous one, the, with the trophy trucks, but it's, it's hard. It's crazy. And there's the extra wrinkle that in autocross there's, each lap, well, on the track, there's this extra extended area that they call the Joker section. During the race, each car racing has to take that Joker lap at least once. That adds at least a few seconds to their lap time and could completely shake up the order of the racers and lead to crazy battles like in the middle of the race. So you can go from first to fifth place by taking the Joker, but within the next couple of laps, the other cars have to take it too. So you could go back up to God knows where, and you're fighting with different people the whole time. It's pretty crazy. Finally, from there, the last available mode right now is what they call historic rally. And that final section opens up the use of older cars kind of going through the course of the, the history of rally racing, everything from little mini Coopers from the 1960s to the eighties group B monsters. Group B is a little side note. It's a class of race cars that they actually deemed too fast and dangerous to even be allowed to compete, which led to like the comparative, comparatively low power of the current race cars. Nothing extra remarkable here other than opening up a whole new level of insanity and speed. So it's, it's your basic rallying again, but when you get to those group B cars, oh God, hold on. <laughs> the, the Mini Coopers, not so much. It's just... There's, there's a couple older cars that, I mean, you just have to drive completely differently um, in any of them. Like an old real, rear-wheel drive Alpine is a completely different animal with its 150 horsepower than any of the modern race cars. So it's, it's a nice little mix-up of what you're used to. Um, and God, the action doesn't even stop there. Beyond that, there's, from the start of the game, there's kind of a a race car playground called dirt fish. And if you've seen the Ken block videos where he's racing around, diving in and out of warehouses and drifting and tearing ass all over the place, it's basically that. And you can either a jump in and just run around screwing off, or there's like a training series of things that you can go through to learn how to actually drive like a rally racer, as well as little time trial um, challenges where you've either got to do laps through a track where you can pick up time reducers. And if you go off the track, there's time increasers. So the goal is to, you know, get the best time overall by picking up the decreasers, but avoiding all the ones that add time. The other one that they had in there 
is like a a target hunt thing where they've got a bunch of targets set up in a path and you've got to figure out the most efficient way to drive through all of them within the time limit. Um, I can't remember what they give you when you finish those, if it's like a cash reward or I don't know, maybe you get a special car for it, but it's, it's just more stuff to go out and screw around with beside the main game, the main career mode. And even if you do all that crap, there's still long-term work once the career mode's complete because first you've got going back to get gold in every race for the completionists, but then there's the online challenge system. So Codemasters pushes out daily, weekly, and monthly, as well as even special challenges for the community to all take part in. So all of the challenges are like extra tough. They require specific cars and they offer no practice or pre-runs or reruns, I mean. So if you crash, that's it. That's your time. If you do completely terrible in your first try, that's your time. You have to dive in, put up your best fight in one shot, and live with the result. Your performance is then stacked against the rest of the world of players, and you win cash bonuses from that based on how high you place. So if it's a daily challenge, you get in, you race, come back the next day, and you see where you ended up placing amongst everybody. There's three tiers. Bottom tier gets the lowest reward. Middle tier, middle. Top tier is like the top 10%, 10 or 20%, and that gets you the highest rewards. A nerd like me regularly gets in to like the top one or two tiers. In this recent one, they had, uh, I mean, who knows how many people total played, but the last time I looked, I was, oh, 200th out of like 4,000 people. So I ended up getting in that top tier and got like a, a shitload of credits. It was enough to go back and buy at least one whole car. So it's definitely worthwhile. That is where the long-term replayability is going to come from from this. Because I don't know, I mean, with Dirt Rally, that game's over a year old now, and they're still doing the challenges daily, weekly, monthly. And who knows what kind of DLC is going to come out for this. There could be new cars, new tracks, new series, all kinds of stuff that could be added potentially. Hopefully they add VR because that was the number one thing I was looking forward to with this and out of the box doesn't work, doesn't do it. It's not included. They just left it out to give themselves extra time to work on it. And it's already present in Dirt Rally. So I have very high hopes that within at least the first year, they will release a patch again, just like they did for Dirt Rally. But uh, fingers and toes crossed there because that is sorely missed. I still have Dirt Rally installed on my PS4, even though I've got the new Dirt 4, just because I want to be able to go back and play the VR races. Like, it's that much of a thing for me. It's the only game I play in VR right now. There's nothing else that I have access to that I'm <laughs> actually playing on my VR. It's sad. Overall, um, like I said, I've had the, the better part of a week with the game. Um, I still have yet to even finish half of just the rally races and the game unlocks the other modes pretty early on. So I've been able to dabble with all the other ones. Um, haven't finished any of them because they are hard. <laughs> I'll come out and say it. Um, but I have very high confidence that I'll be grinding away on dirt for, for a long time to come. Um, again, I, I highly recommend it to racing fans of all stripes. Um, uh, since the difficulty curve is very flexible to newbies and pros. I mean, either side of the spectrum and especially fans of rally racing and sim racing are likely to get the most out of the experience. So, you know, nerds like me, <laughs> that is about all for dirt four for now. Um, I do really want to stream gameplay from it, but I just don't know if I'm at that point yet, but someday, cause I still need to get like a capture card and Oh, get it all set up, but oh, I do want to because I've watched the videos and my God, it's it's uh I get excited watching other people do it. I hopefully <laughs> somebody would want to watch me do it. Uh but anyway, thanks for listening. 
Um, make sure to send any feedback you may have. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter at WAG Podcast and email me at wagpodcastpdx at gmail.com. This was the Well-Adjusted Gamer Podcast. Jason Chevron Chops, signing off. <laughs>